Good morning. Welcome everybody that's here at our main campus. Welcome to you guys who are joining us online. So just a couple quick announcements. So if you haven't heard, saw us on social media, got on our app, saw what's happening, next week is Baptism Sunday and it's one service. So again, it'll be at 930. Uh, again, if you're if you're coming. I hope you're coming. There are going to be 30 people going to be baptized, and then we're going to be opening it up at the end for whoever, you know, God says, and hopefully people will come forward at the end. So be prepared. You know, I know the American church is used to an hour-long service, and they're like, oh my gosh, if they go over an hour. So we're just saying, like, you need to come prepared for the Spirit to move and let it go for as long as it wants. If we're baptizing people into the afternoon, we should celebrate and not be like, I'm so hungry, right? <laughs> and so hopefully we can get over that mindset. Because again, sometimes we do get caught up in that, don't we? Like God has to move in a certain box at a certain time on our time. And so Baptism Sunday, doing it at one service and doing it all together gives everybody an opportunity to say, we're all praying for the Holy Spirit to move, we're gonna celebrate life change, and we're gonna celebrate lives that are going to be changed that day through the stories of people. So Baptism Sunday, next Sunday, 9.30, don't forget. The other thing is, one of the most common things we hear at Life Church, and uh, a little bit around why we talked about this series today, is, is like we come and we have zero idea how to get plugged in right, because you don't get this long list of things that you need to do, or, you know, you don't have people asking you all the time, and so one of the things we're going to do today, so not so that you can go out and like this, go and sign up for something, but if you want to know what's going on at Life Church, how you can get plugged in, or where you could plug in, um, after the service, there's going to be an opportunity to go out into the Connect Center, out into the cafe, Rayanne and Taylor are going to be there to give you Here's the opportunities at Life Church. This is what's going on. Even for you to just see, you probably don't know, but there is a lot going on behind the scenes, right? And so it gives you a chance to understand that. All right, so let's get back into the series that we're doing, The Church Defined. Um, the why, which was we needed to take a break. <clears throat> we need to take an opportunity to refocus. We got a lot of new people at Life Church. Why do we do it? You know, how are we helping you? How do we work together? We said, from the beginning, God gave you a mission. This has been the, the major focus of Life Church for 18 years. We believe that God gave you a mission, right? Before he left this earth, he said, here's the Great Commission. Go into all of the world, make disciples of people, right? Pretty simple, right? So the church's responsibility is, is to remind people that you have a mission, right? But how does the church fit together? Because I've said over the years, the church has kind of flipped that and said, we have a mission and you need to support our mission, instead of the church is here to support the mission that God gave you, right? So we have always been trying to figure out how do we come alongside of you if God gave you a mission to go out into all the world and if you're a disciple, you're gonna make a disciple, how do we help you, right? So over the years, we've tried so many different things and we're gonna continue to try so many different things. You know, like we've talked about this before. One of my favorite things we ever did was cowboy church. So some people were here for Cowboy Church, but we just shut it down on a Sunday morning, went out to, you know, Manasseh, and we had a barrel race on a Friday, a country concert on a Saturday, roping on a Sunday, did church in the middle of the roping and baptized people in horse troughs. And I'm like, I'm telling you, like, this is church. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't always have to happen inside of the four walls, Right? And it started because there were people who said this. I want to give you like a picture of how this works. I was riding horses with people on Saturday mornings that when they find out you're a pastor, they always tell you why they can't come. Anybody ever? You might have told me that once. <laughs> you know, you meet and you're like, well, the reason I can't come is because we're always roping or we're always doing something on a Sunday. So I said, well, that's easy. We'll just come to you, Right? If, if the mission is for the church to be there for the people, then the church needs to be there for the people, right? If you have a vision and you have a mission, our responsibility is to say, how can we help, right? Because this is what we believe. If people are living on mission and the church helps them get that done, God is gonna have a movement into this world, right? It's not gonna be the church is popular, not popular, the church grows and not grows. There's a difference between popularity and a movement of God. Right, churches tend to be somewhere in this idea of you're the popular church for a while and then you're not, and then it, you know what I mean? Like it shifts back and forth. When there is a movement, popularity doesn't mean anything. Right, when there's a movement of God, people are like, I wanna be a part of the movement. Not even necessarily the church. Does that make sense? 
Like people aren't like, oh my gosh, I wanna be a part of Life Church. People are saying, I wanna be a part of a movement. Call it whatever you want. You know what I mean? Put a name of it wherever you want. And that's the same for us. Like we don't care. The things that are happening, we don't have to put our name on anything. Right? It doesn't have to be Life Church's event or Life Church's thing. It's just if there's a movement of God, we wanna help facilitate the movement of God. Right? Now, when you talk about this, your mission, the church's mission, you put them together and change the world, it seems simple, doesn't it? Like, you know, we read the Bible and a lot of people say the Bible's complicated and I don't really know what to do and I don't know enough to do it. It's not that complicated, right? He just told you to go out, be a disciple and reach people. Disciples make disciples and the church is here to help you. It should be pretty simple, but here's what I think either you have realized or you've realized it with the people around you Not everybody's living on mission. Would that be fair to say? And I'm not saying just you as people. I'm saying as a church, right? Like, it's been this big disconnect. Like, not everybody's looking at the mission and saying, if I'm a disciple, I'm going to make a disciple. Not every church is saying, if we're we're going to exist, the only reason we exist is to help disciples make disciples, right? Like, that's the only reason we exist. Why is it so difficult? You know, why does it get so hard? Now, if you don't know this by now or you've just been coming for a little bit, I'm a pretty simple guy. Like, I try not to overcomplicate anything because it's the only way I understand how to learn. So way back when um, I was going to high school, I was working at Lingridge Meats, loved it, wanted to be a meat cutter, thought it was the greatest thing ever, you know, being working on the kill floor and cutting meat. But uh, my future wife at the time, Sherry's like, you're going to school. And I'm like... I don't want to go to school. Like, I don't, this is what I want to do. And she's like, if you want to get married, you're going to school, you know? So I went to, so I had to sit here and think, well, what do you go to college for, right? Like, if you don't really want to do anything, what do you go to college for? Well, at the time, I was restoring a Chevelle. You know, I'd started on, I was 15 years old, restoring the Chevelle, thought it'd be the coolest thing ever to get this car going. Spent like two years getting it going. So I'm like, I don't know, I guess I'll be a mechanic, you know, like all I was doing is body work. I wasn't really even doing any mechanical work at the time, but I'm like, I guess I like cars, so I guess I'll go to school to be a mechanic. Go to school to be a mechanic, and they start off this whole thing like, hey, you're going to be a mechanic, and you're going to learn to do all these things, and they put this whole syllabus out there, and I'm like, I don't know how to do any of this stuff, right? So I'm like completely overwhelmed. Anybody ever been there? Like when somebody gives you the big picture, and you look at the big picture, and they're telling you like, you got to do this, and you're like, dude, I have no idea. Right? But when it came down to the first class we took was simple engine theory, which was to say, in all of the things that are going to happen, these are the four components that make an engine run. And at the end of the day, if one of these four aren't working, that's why it's not working. I'm like, okay, I can do it. <laughs> like, I can figure out if it doesn't have electro. I can figure it out if it doesn't have air. I can figure it out if it doesn't have, you know, compression. I can figure it out if it doesn't have fuel. Right? I can start with the basics. And if I start with the basics, surely if you go back to that every time, you can figure things out. Anybody, right? Like if you just go back to make it simple, don't make it so complicated. And so the same concept is with faith, right? Because in the beginning, if you go back to scripture and you read Genesis one and two, it's pretty simple. Why you were created. If you believe that you were created by God, then you were created for a reason, right? We're all on the same page. Like you were created, specifically created for a purpose, right? So if you go back and you say, okay, for me to operate inside of this world, I should probably scale it all back down. Like there's a hundred things that I think I should be doing, but I probably should just scale it back to the, to the two things I was created to do. So if you simplify why you're on this earth, how God knew you in the womb, how he designed you and what he did, if you scale it back down to two things, he created you to be in relationship with him and love him so that he could love you back, right? The whole relationship thing, right? And he created you to carry out his purposes on the earth. Pretty simple, right? God said, I'm creating you because I want to be in relationship with you, right? I want, I want to love you and I want you to love me back, right? Like that's what I want is this loving relationship. So number one, you were always created to be in a relationship with God. And if you put anything else before that, you're never gonna be satisfied. So if you put the relationship with your wife before your relationship with God, you're never gonna be satisfied. Your wife's never gonna be good enough. Amen, men? No, men. You're the only guy saying amen. Everybody else like, no, honey, you're the best. <laughs> Right? But the reality is the same. Like, you can't love 
your wife unless you first love Jesus the way that she deserves. Like some of your wives don't know what it really means to be loved because you haven't really loved Jesus yet. Right, like that's just the way that it works. And same, husband's wife, you're created first to be in a relationship with him and when it's right, the design, the, the, the emphasis, when we do the design right, it works, right? Same concept, you're created to do God's works. And so anytime you go out and do other work without the purpose of accomplishing God's work, everybody, anybody ever do that and it's not satisfying? Anybody ever do that work and you run the circle and you're busy all the time and you get to the end of it and you're like, what the world am I doing? Well, the reason for that is not that the work that you're doing is wrong, but the purpose behind your work is wrong. You see what I'm saying? Like, it's not that what you're doing, because a lot of people are like, I'm just not satisfied with my job. And I'm always saying, like, I just don't think you're satisfied with your purpose in life. Jobs are jobs, right? Like, everybody has to work. You know what I mean? Like, everybody's going to have to go out. Everybody's going to have to learn to earn a living. Everybody's going to have to work. Because I think generationally, some of our problem today is everybody's looking for the perfect job, and they're sitting at home waiting for it to come, and you want to slap them silly for sitting at home waiting for the perfect job to come. I'm like, there ain't no perfect job, dude. Work. I don't know. And just put purpose behind it. And I think what you're going to find out over time, then God's going to connect the dots for you. Right, but if you put purpose behind work, we can do that. So in the beginning, God created us to love him. God created us to be on mission for him. So what got broken in the beginning? So why is it so hard if this is so simple? Just two things. And it comes back down to, you can go clear back to the beginning and we can look at, why is this so hard? Because you don't trust God. That's what it comes down to, right? The reason that we struggle to understand the simplicity of the gospel and the simplicity of being a disciple, making a disciple is because you don't trust God. And we know that because we see it right from the beginning. So Genesis 3, that's what we're going to go back to. So Genesis 3, 1 through 13, and again, this is the fall. So this is when it all broke, right? So remember, God had a plan, and he had a purpose, and he put it together, and he explained to everybody the plan and the purpose is, I want to create you, I want to love you, I want to be in relationship with you, and I have work for you to do. Right, that's what he said right from the beginning. Then they get to the point where they're doing the work, they're in loving relationship, but something gets in the way. And what you're gonna find is this something, clear back then, is the same something for you today. Right, if you go all the way back to the beginning and you look at what broke in the beginning, probably what you're gonna find out is if you're struggling with this concept right now, it's probably what's broke with you today, right? And here's what he says. So Genesis 3, 1 through 13. Now the, serpent, uh, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, so if you're underlining things or you want to go back to things, this comment that Satan says to Eve is the same comment that he's saying to you over and over again, and it's why you don't trust him. What's the comment? Did God what? Did he really say it? Right? I mean, isn't that, if you go back to and you look at all the times you haven't trusted God, you know, you have this thing to go, well, did God really mean that? Like, does he really want me to do this? I mean, have you seen my life? Like, we always talk about this with people, you know, when it comes to your money or it comes to your time, you're like, but does God really know my situation? Because if God really knew, he would never ask me to give because I have no money. Anybody? Surely you've been in that. I mean, I've been there, right? There ain't nothing left. I get what the Bible says. There ain't nothing left. Do you see how much money I make? I'll show you, God, my W-2. It ain't very good. Right? Like, I'm looking at this. There ain't no money in the end. You can say that I'm supposed to give, but this doesn't equate. Did God really say? Right? Do you see how that, that works? Like, he, in every part of that, the way that Satan works is the same way that he's working today. Did God really say? You must not eat from any tree in the garden. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat free fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from, eat from it, your eyes will be open, and this is the next thing you should underline, because this is your next problem. You don't trust God, why? Because of this, you want to be God. That's what he says. This is the temptation. Don't trust him because when your eyes are open, guess what? You'll be just like him. And there's just like, oh, yeah. Like, you don't want to say this. Like, nobody's sitting out there saying, like, yeah, I want to be God. 
right? Like nobody's in this room today saying the decisions I make are because I wanna be like, be like God. But the reason that Satan tells you, did God really say, is because he knows inherently inside of you, you wanna be God. That's what he knows. He knows in every one of you, you wanna control the situation. Anybody? Anybody out there that loves to be in control? Come on, women. Like, God said that's your curse for crying out loud. <laughs> right? Like, the curse of a woman is always wanting to be in control. Right? Like, that's part of the deal. Like, they always want to be in control. And when it's not working, it's a struggle. Right? And you want to take control and you want to become, you don't want to say it, but it's his. Right? Like, you want to become God of the situation and make sure it turns out the way that you wanted it to turn out. Right, So that's the other part, underline that part of it. Then he goes, when a woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were open and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Now, here's the next part you need to see. This is the cycle. Did God really say, don't you really wanna be God? And it doesn't work out for you, who do you blame? Who did he blame? Her. It's never your fault, right? Like, you start down this road, like, nobody's, I feel like you're not getting this. So you hear me? Like, you're starting down this road of saying, like, hey, did God, you know, you start playing around in your mind, and then you finally become God, and then it doesn't want to work out, and you're like, I didn't want it. I mean, it, they wanted it. It's her fault. It's his fault. It's their fault. It's somebody else's fault that you made a decision that you wanted to be God. It didn't work out the way you wanted to be. And here's the end of the day. You will never fix your problems until you accept that you're a part of the problem. You're never going to do it. Like, I don't know why you just don't want to admit it. You want to be God sometimes. Just admit it. It didn't work out. You tried to be God. You went down the road. Stop blaming your wife. Stop blaming your husband. Stop blaming somebody else. It just didn't work out for you. You tried to be God. Now God can work with you and work on you when you will admit that it's your problem and not somebody else's. Right? Because Adam's problem was blaming somebody else. And it wasn't just Adam. The man said to the woman, you put, <clears throat> it's the woman you put here with me. She gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate from it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, was it her fault? No, Satan tempt me. Well, remember, temptation is a part of it, but every person has a choice. Like you can blame Satan for your temptations, but at the end of the day, you're the person making the decision to act upon the temptation. So stop blaming Satan all the time. Like I'm just, oh, it's all this temptation and I can't get away from it. No, you can you can. You have a choice. You can walk away. You can do something else. How about just accept this? You're a sinner. How about just accept that you sinned? Because you know the other problem? You'll never ask for forgiveness until you realize that you're a sinner. You'll never need Jesus until you realize you need a Savior. And part of the problem with people is when you don't admit your sin, you never need a Savior. Because you know why? Because you're God again. Blame somebody else, fix something else, do something else. Do you see what's broken here? That's what I'm helping try to establish. Why is it so hard to be on mission? Because at the heart of everything, at the heart of every problem is a trust issue, right? Because here's what we know. One of the greatest, if you're in relationship today, one of the greatest indicators of love is trust. Anybody? So in a relationship, you know when trust starts to erode? Anybody? You know what I mean? Like, again, I'm talking about husband, wife. I'm talking about friendship. When you lose trust in somebody, the, that love, whether you want it to or not, starts to erode because you don't trust them anymore. When you wholeheartedly trust somebody, love flourishes, right? Because here's what you know. Like, in every relationship, it's not perfect. Amen to anybody that's in relationships. It doesn't always go the way that it's supposed to go. Wives, your husband isn't always what he's supposed to be. 
wives, you know, or husbands, your wife isn't always what it's supposed to be. But when you trust them, even through those times that they love you, your love will flourish. When you stop trusting them, things just start to deteriorate. Anybody that's been through that before or, you know, seen that before, like that's the way that it goes. Well, the same concept is relationship with God, right? Your relationship with God, you're gonna have to see this. If you want your relationship to grow with God, you gotta trust him. You know, a lot of people are like, man, I want such a deep relationship with God and I read my Bible and I do my devotions and I come to church and I sing and I praise and I worship him, but do you trust Because you can read your Bible, you can sing in church, you can show up at small group, but if you don't trust God, then you're no different than the Pharisees. But there was no relationship involved in any of that. It was going through the motions. They were really religious, and people looked at them, thought it was all good. But the thing that was missing was the trust, right? The thing that was missing is that, Trust God with all of these things. And so if we want to get back to the heart of it, right? If you want to be a disciple that makes disciples, you're going to have to ask yourself this question, and it's not one day, but every day, do you trust God? Because I'm just telling you, the eroding of a relationship will start because you don't trust. The idea of becoming a disciple is building your faith. If you make yourself available, Right, here's what I'm gonna tell you. So I'll give you a little precursor into the future. If you make yourself available, God will ask you to do things that you will have to do what? Trust him. And you know why people stop making themselves available? Can you follow the storyline? Because they don't trust him, right? Because one time they did, you like you equate it to something that happened in your life, like one time you put your trust in somebody and they let you down, and you're like, I'm not getting burned again. Then you don't know the God that you serve, right? Like you gotta understand the God that you serve promises, makes you promises, and you just gotta ask yourself this question. I know your friend, your wife, your husband, the people around you, your job. I know they failed you. Join the club. I know people in this world fail you, join the club. But the question you gotta ask yourself is, if Jesus says it, if God says, this is what I promised, does God go back on his promises? Never. Now, does it always turn out the way we wanted it to go? No, that's not the case. The point is we gotta trust him. And so again, if you wanna do this, if you wanna get to the place where disciples make disciples, if you wanna live on mission, if you wanna understand, every day you're gonna have to wake up and say, God, I'm available and I trust you. I'm available, I trust you. Get used to this. Like this is a daily habit. I'm available, I trust you. I'm available, I trust you. Because every day if you say you're available, he's going to find out whether you trust him. Because you're gonna be asked to do things that are not inside of your control, not inside of your box, and doesn't always fit inside of it, okay? Now, Bottom line, simplicity, right? This is what's broke. So now let's go back to, so if we follow the storyline of scripture, here's what you know. God says, okay, Adam and Eve didn't trust me and, and there was sin that entered the world and when sin entered the world, now we got a problem, right? God's gotta do something about the problem. He's gotta redeem a world that doesn't trust him, right? So he's gotta use something to show everybody you can trust me. So what does he do? builds the nation of Israel. That's what he says. Like, if you want to learn to trust me, watch the nation of Israel. Watch the leaders of the nation of Israel. Do they fail? Absolutely, right? But what he's giving is an example to each one of us to say, if you want to try to understand trust, you can look at the nation of Israel, and actually you can watch through the Old Testament. This is what he's trying to do. Redeem people's... We're not... We're following the same... (laughs) Hopefully we're still on the same page. Trust, like he's trying to redeem it. He knew what's broke. He knew what's gonna be a problem. Throughout all of the Old Testament, do you trust me? Do you trust me? How many kings are like, I trust you, God, and he's there with them and blessed them and amazing things that you could never ask for or imagine happened, and then what happened when they didn't trust him? Anybody read the Old Testament? It's a little crazy. You know what I'm saying? Like they get wiped out and things happen and people die and and it's all back to the same foundational problem. Trust or don't trust. 
And inside of this, this is what I want you to see and hear. Listen to me. You have to understand something. Trust personally is one thing. But you have to understand, you'll see this throughout all of the nation of Israel. You'll see it through the New Testament, and you're going to see it in your life today. Just because you choose not to trust, it doesn't just affect you. There's a ripple effect on the people around you that you love. So when you make these decisions to be like, well, I'm here. I don't know where everybody else is. Does it really matter what everybody else thinks? Yes. Fathers, God calls you to lead your family. And the greatest example you could ever give them is, please follow my storyline. How to trust. Are you giving them the example? Well, I don't know, maybe. You know what? It's not just you being affected. Your children are growing up in an environment where they don't know how to trust God because the one man that they're looking to to show them isn't doing it. True? Because these are kids, right? Like, they got to have an example. You can't just tell them, well, just read the Bible. I mean, I'm not doing it, but you should. Right? Just do what I don't do. This is what we're saying, right? Grow up a generation. Change the world. Now, I'm not doing it, and I'm not going to show you how to do it, and I can't give you an example of it, but... Right, So he says if the greatest thing you could ever give him is redeem that, get that trust back, give an example to people what it means to trust the Lord. So he gives us through the nation of Israel this, like a template. Here's the template. Genesis 12, one through three. If you want a template on how you can then work through this, this is the template that he gives to Abraham, right? Father Abraham, if you've read the Bible, Father Abraham, who even the, the older Jews referred back to, Father Abraham, who was an example from the beginning, right, that you could learn from. Both ways. Follow the story of Father Abraham. Did he mess it up? <laughs> Come and take starting point. We talk about his mess ups, right? Like he messed it up. He was an example of right and wrong, but he was an example nonetheless. Well, here's the example that he gives in Genesis 12, 1 through 3. He says, the Lord, uh, the Lord had said to Abraham, go from, the, uh, from your country and your people and your father's household to the land that I will show you. Here's a template. If you're gonna be a follower of Jesus Christ, if you're gonna be a a disciple, if you're going to learn to trust God, here's what you gotta know. He's always gonna come to you and he's gonna ask you two questions. Will you go and will you be uncomfortable? You see what he's doing right there? God comes to him and says, will you go? That's the first question. Are you available? This is the question he's asking everybody in this room. Are you available? Once you say, I'm available, then what he asks you to do is leave everything that's comfortable. What did he have to leave? His father's household, all the people around him. Like this step was to do what? Build trust, right? So when he asks you to do something, this is what I want you to see. The greatest thing that God's doing in your life is not whether or not you're gonna make a lot of money, not whether or not you're gonna reach people, not whether or not you're gonna have these amazing stories to tell. The first thing he's working on is do you trust me? The thing that makes God excited is the the idea that somebody says, you know what, he asked me to go, this seems overwhelming, I have no idea what I'm doing, but either way, I'm available and I trust you. Somebody gets reached, doesn't get reached, heck, I don't know, heck, I don't know, I don't know, but I trust you, right? So he's gonna ask you to do things that are gonna make you come to a decision, okay? Understand this, this is daily, monthly. You're always gonna have to come to this decision for the rest of your life. When he asks you to go, you're gonna answer this question. Do I trust him, do I not trust him? These are everyday decisions of life. Do I trust him, do I not trust him? And you're gonna have to answer that over and over again. Then he says, if you do this, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse and All the people on earth will be blessed through you. So he says, go, then he gives a promise, right? So what's his promise? I'm going, if you go, this is what I'm gonna do. I'm going to bless you. That's what he says, right? If you choose to have faith in me, I'm going to bless you. Now, this is the thing that's got confused in the church sometimes. Blessing is prosperity. That's not blessing. Could be, right? But that's not the whole compass of what he's talking about, blessing, Blessing, bottom line is this, relationship and you're where he is. Are we getting that? The greatest blessing that you could ever have is to walk where God is walking. 
That's the greatest blessing that you'll ever get. Walk where he walks, and inside of that walk, you might be prosperous, you might not be prosperous. You might have long life, you might have short life. Nobody knows that, but the greatest thing that you could ever go to your end of your life with, the greatest example you could ever give to your children, the greatest example you could ever give is that no matter what, blessings or hardships, I walked with the Lord. I walked with the Lord, right? And what I want to show you is that I'll walk regardless of, this is the key, blessing or hardship. Because you know how many times people are like, I want to be blessed, but then hardship comes and they're like, this sucks. I don't trust anymore because I didn't get what I wanted, right? So he says, I'm going to bless you. Then he goes on and he says, not only am I going to bless you, for those of you who have come alongside of other people that God has said go to and you said, I want to help you, you know what he says to you? I'm going to bless you, the helper, the one that says, my husband has a dream, I'm going to help him get it done. My wife has a dream, I'm going to help him get it done. Somebody inside of the church, God spoke to them, I'm going to help him get it done. It says, I'm not only going to bless them, but I'm going to bless the people who choose to say, I don't know what this guy's doing, and I don't really know what the outcome of it all is, but if he heard from God, I'm with you. Trust, right? Not just trust in the person, but trust that God's doing a movement. Right, trust that God's doing something. So I'm gonna bless you, right? Then he also says that I'll bless those who bless you, but he also says I'm gonna do something for you. I'm gonna protect you because the people that are gonna to try to curse you, what am I, what's God gonna to do to those people? Curse them. Everybody throws stones. Get used to it if you're in leadership. Men, you know, I talk about man being a leader inside a family. Get used to somebody throwing stones at you. It might be your wife, Yes, right? Like when you take steps, sometimes women ask their husbands to be leaders and then when they do, they throw stones at them. They didn't know what it was like for somebody to lead, right? And then all of a sudden they lead and they're like, that was terrible, right? Like don't do that anymore. Let me be back in control. You can't get it the way I want it, right? Like this is the way it goes. And, I'm, and again, kind of making light of it, maybe not, you know, but it happens. If you're gonna be in leadership and you're gonna take steps, the world is gonna throw stones at you. And you know what you have to trust? God's got you. You don't have to, again, you don't have to sit there, but the reason is, and well, I need to defend, and blah, blah, blah. No, what you need to do is you need to trust the Lord. Did he tell you to go? Did he tell you to do? Did he tell you to lead? Then lead. I know what everybody else is saying. I know what everybody else is doing. I know what all the critics want to say, but at the end of the day, if God told me to lead and God told me to go, then I'm going to go. And I'm going to trust that God's going to take care of all the naysayers. He'll work with them. It's not my job to fix the naysayers. Anybody? Right, it's not my job to fix the naysayers. So he says that, and then he says, this is the last thing he tells you. Now here's the deal. Back to purpose, so I'm gonna bless you so that you can do what? Bless other people. The only reason that God is blessing you is not so that you can have everything you want, it's so that you can be blessed and you can give it to other people. A blessing so that you can be a blessing. Are we tracking? Right back to the purpose. You were created, relationship with God, so that you could love him and you could trust him. And when you do trust him, he's gonna bless you and he's gonna protect you, not so that you can get everything you want. You know why? So you can turn around and bless other people. Pretty simple, isn't it? Right? If you put all the equation together, it seems like it's pretty simple, right? But how? Right? Still, back to the same thing. How is it going to happen? Because it still seems overwhelming when you're sitting inside of a church. God's called you into all of the nations, and you need to be a disciple making disciples, and I don't really know what to do, and I don't know how to put it together. Well, Acts 1.8 puts it all together for you. Right? This is where it all comes together and says, it's so overwhelming, and I don't know what to do, and I don't know where to go. The same place the disciples were when Jesus Christ rose from the dead and ascended into heaven, and they're all sitting there like, holy crap, where's our leader? What do we do? And he just told us that we need to go reach an entire world. We're the fishermen. We're the nobodies. We're the one who got kicked out of Torah school. Anybody in that realm? Got kicked out of the religious realm? Nobody thought you were good enough. And God says, hey, I'm going to use you. Well, it was okay when he was with you, and now he's gone. And you're sitting there saying, now what do I do? I have no idea what to do. Acts 1.8 gives us the picture. This is what he says. And you will receive the power when what comes? The Holy Spirit comes on you, 
You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So here's how we have to put it together. All right, so the worship team's gonna make their way back up. I wanna help try to tie this together real quick. So the first thing that you have to understand is, is that if you're gonna operate outside of the power of the Holy Spirit, then you're missing everything. You hear me, right? Like you're missing everything. You know why? Because God said to the disciples, wait, wait in this room. Why? Because in this room, they needed something to do more than they could ever do on their own. You know what that something was? The power of the Holy Spirit. You can't be a disciple that makes disciples living on mission, doing the thing that God calls you to do, unless you understand the power of the Holy Spirit is in you so that you can be a witness. If you don't first start with that, this is what I'm trying to tell you. If you don't first start with there's something inside of me that gives the ability for me to do what I can never do. It's back to when we came to the place, we're gonna plant a church, I was never a preacher, didn't like to speak in front of people, you know, all of that stuff. Like, that was 20 years ago. And I said, well, I don't know, God, you want me to plant a church? I guess I'll have to get up here. And you know how many critics there were? Like, man, you suck. (laughs) And I'm like, I know, I know, I know. But you know what I'm counting on? Even through my sucking, the Holy Spirit's gonna speak to you. Because the Holy Spirit's the one doing the job anyway. If you're all about the performance of the speaker, you've missed what he wanted to say. The Holy Spirit working in here is where we need to be, right? That's what God's trying to do. He's trying to say, I'm gonna use people that are just okay not being enough because then I can be enough. Power of the Holy Spirit to do things that you could never do, right? And then he says, you're gonna be my witness, Right now, this should seem pretty simple, right? Like, you should just be my witness, right? The witness that this world needs to see is that you're never enough and God is. You don't need to prove to the world that you're everything. You don't need to prove to your kids that you got it all under control. You don't need to prove to your employees that you got it all together. You just need to say, at the end of the day, I'm a mess. I don't really know what to do. I admit this all the time. I have no idea what I'm doing. I have no idea what I'm doing in a lot of areas in my life, but I tell you one thing that I will always know. I trust God. And I trust two things about the Holy Spirit. He's always in front of me doing things that I have no idea. So when he asks me to do something, I'm trusting he's already there or he would never ask me to do it. And I'm trusting he will give me the words, he'll give me the actions, he'll give me the money, he'll give me whatever I need to be able to walk into something that he's already doing. Right? So when I'm out there doing my thing, right? When I'm out there trying to be a witness into the world, I have to remember something, right? That the greatest witness into the world is the story of how God is using somebody who's available. Not of all the great accomplishments that you've done. Just let me tell you the story. And let me tell you the story. And let me tell you the story. I made myself available and God did. Let me tell you the story. I was available and God did. The world doesn't need somebody to remind them that they're a sinner going to hell. It's not this world needs. You know what this world needs? To know that there is a living God that changes the lives of people. And you're a witness to it. That's why this partnership, you know, we're talking about your mission and our mission. That's why we put greeters at the front door. You know why greeters are at the front door? Not to open the door. You know why greeters are at the front door? Because there's somebody walking in that needs to see on your face that there is a loving God that's still living. There are people that get baptized. You know why they get baptized? Because the first story they tell is somebody told me a story about why I was welcomed when I came in, when I didn't feel welcomed in the world. Right? The reason that we create the atmospheres here at Life Church, the reason we have this worship, the reason we have kids ministry, the reason that we have all of these things is we're helping you be a witness into the world, right? We're helping you tell your story to other people. That's why we gather, or else why gather, right? Your story to other people through the things you do. And you know, a lot of people are like, well, you know, he says go into Jerusalem and the ends of the earth, and I don't really want to be a missionary, and I don't really know how to do that. Let me tell you something. Then go work behind the scenes in that room 
Because in that room, what's happening behind the scenes in the tech world right now are reaching Jerusalem, Judea, and the ends of the earth because this message and the things of life church are going into all of the world. Like you just miss it. Like I could just sign up, run the computer, run the camera, be a part of something. And when I do that, I'm on mission. I don't have to travel to another part of the world. Media is doing it for us, right? Or the same concept. You're like, I don't know how to reach the whole world and I don't know how to be on mission. Then go buy some coffee from the Cafe of Hope. Every single thing that you buy at the Cafe of Hope, right? Money, mission, everything behind it. Why buy on purpose? Because you're on mission. You don't know this, but you bought coffee and that coffee is supporting something that you know nothing about, right? But you can live on mission. See, we make it too complicated. This isn't complicated. Live on purpose, live on mission, allow the Holy Spirit to use you. And when those things happen, he, your availability and your trust will change the lives of people. We stand so we can pray for you. Suddenly, Father, when we come to you today, Lord, we already know that we have trust issues. I mean, I don't know how else to say it. Every single day I wake up, Lord, I have to remind myself I need to trust you. Lord, I know sometimes our actions don't uh, match this statement, but Lord, we wanna say this as a declaration. We don't wanna be God. We've tried it, didn't work. Lord, remind us every day that you are a God that we can trust. Lord, today, remind us during these last few songs that there is a Holy Spirit living inside of the people that are in this room. Remind us that there is a manifestation of something living inside of us, giving us the ability to do more than we could ever ask for or imagine. Knowing that today our worship through the Holy Spirit, that you're working, that you're using, that you're doing something that we could never do. Lord, may that movement continue to happen. And Lord, may we make ourselves available to that movement. Lord, we love you. In this name we pray. Amen. fails will not fail me now you won't fail me now in the waiting the same God who's never late is working all things out you're working all things out and yes I will lift you high in the
morning, that when God calls us, we can say, yes, I will. And in the midst of the blessings and the curses, we get to choose to praise his name. So let's praise his name this morning as we sing this last song together.
So I just want to leave you with this challenge. This is something that I have to ask myself all of the time, and, you know, it's an ongoing thing. God, where am I not trusting you? You know what I mean? Like, this is something that I think we have to ask ourselves all the time. God, where is it that in my life today I don't trust you? And not only just ask the question, ask why. Because remember, for everything that we do to be disciples, to make disciples, we have to settle this in our lives. Who do you trust? Right? And once you settle that and continually settle that over time in your life, you will be a disciple that make disciples, and you will be on mission, and God is going to use you in amazing ways, and you will be where he is, and we'll be able to see the movement of God. So we're praying for that together as a church, praying for you individually with that in your life. So again, thanks for joining us here at the main campus. Thanks for joining us online. Don't forget on your way out, if you want an idea how to get plugged in at Life Church, uh, there'll be uh, Rayanne and uh, Taylor will be out there to help you uh, answer any questions. So we'll see you guys next week.